0: Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because
1: trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back.
0: Hello, everybody. Hi, Meredith. Hi, Kathy. Hi, everyone.
1: I recorded an episode without you yesterday, and it was horrible. I just want you to know that.
0: <laughs> sorry. I, I apologize for my absence. I'm here now, and I know. I'll try to be extra entertaining. I'll be exponentially more entertaining this time around. So That's, as to make up for my the void that I created in your heart yesterday. That is where the bar has been set, Meredith, just FYI.
1: And I feel like I start every episode by saying I'm super excited, but I am super excited. <laughs> to have a friend and colleague on the podcast with us today. Her name is Diane Campbell. I'll let her say hello in a second, but she's the director of college counseling at Liberty Common High School, which is in Fort Collins, Colorado. And she's also the owner of Campbell College Consulting. She's worked in high school for over 18 years. And folks, she's visited over 700 college campuses. What? Like literally, Diane, I'm not sure. That's a lot. <laughs> i not sure. How how much time how? that day? How? Yes.
2: <laughs> I know, maybe that's where we kick it off. Like, why? What are you doing? Do you have nothing else in your life but you visiting must college have... campuses? So many water bottles and like free shopping bags. Yeah. Oh I'm that God. person that's like, no, thanks. I don't need your swag. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. need another pen and a notebook. Thank you. Right. Though. Sorry, right. colleges, if you're listening. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so, Diana is amazing. She is very active in our national association and her local association for college admission counselors and professionals. And she just knows her stuff. And she's an amazing lady. I've been talking ad nauseum about going to Ireland (laughs) this summer. And Diane is one of the counselors that I met on the tour. And we immediately were like, Oh, my people, I love you so much. Let's be best friends forever. And so when I left the tour, I was like, Diane, you have to come on the podcast. And let's talk about all the things college counseling related. And especially because you've done, you're doing in school counseling, right? And you're also an IEC or independent educational consultant, right? And so you consult privately as well. And so I thought your perspective and Meredith and I are in the same boat. And we thought it'd be interesting to bring somebody else on the podcast to talk a little bit about what that experience is like. And you know, the wisdom that you glean from being on both sides of the desk. I guess there's three, three desks, I think three sides of the desk. Yes. I yeah.
0: think <laughs> you have a triangle yeah. desk. Yeah. yeah. I only have a rectangle, but I think now the it's, proper shape is a triangle. You go college admission yeah. then high school, college counseling, then private college counseling. That's right.
2: Yeah. You're on a that merry-go-round, <laughs> whatever, whatever the well, that's needs true. are. That's also that's true. <laughs> Always. It sounds like a lot listening to it, Kathy, as you're describing all of these things. But I think people like us, when we know this is what we love talking about and we really find our niche for, okay, I love seeing colleges. And yes, it's 700, it's crazy. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who have me beat. So So I'm a college campus. Yeah, I'm a college (laughs) campus junkie. Absolutely. And I think that's what I've been so excited about with my background is I really have a perspective. And I think that's what you we all need, right? At every angle. You need that triangle view to really see the whole picture to really understand the profession sometimes, too. So, even though it's not always ideal in <laughs> trying to keep up from each angle, but I think it's like we really we all really have an understanding of what goes into this process and and why. A new family walking into this with a student for the very first time says, "I truly have no clue. Where do we start?" And then mm-hmm. there's people like us can say, "Hey, get on my merry-go-round. let's Let's take this ride together, you know?" Totally. So so much goes into it for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: I mean, thank you. We're so excited to have you. You have so much, so much wisdom, but I wanted to start with a question that we get a lot from families. Which is, there's two questions, really. Let's start with the first one. (laughs) I'm like, well, there's two questions. It's a two-part question. It's a two-part question. (laughs) The question Uh, they ask. Let's start with the first one. Okay. So when families come to us, they often, well, they could be either coming from a private school, which is very well-resourced and funded and has lots of resources for them, or they are coming from a very large public school and maybe the college counseling load they have one counselor for the entire senior class, right? And so I'm wondering, my first part of the question is, what advice do you have for parents who don't know how to navigate their system in their high school, particularly if it's a large public institution? And I'll save my second part, but can you start with that? Just what what advice do you have for folks who are Starting out high school, they have a ninth grader, and they're like, "Oh, there's this college counseling department. I know I'm supposed to access it at some point, and but it looks so big. I don't know what to do." What advice do you? Have? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's such a great question because I think you know, not at fault of the high schools, but I think there's where there is so much energy that's put into this is how athletics function at our high school, and this is how our academics function at our high school. But there really aren't a lot of resources out there in educating families as to how high school counselors work, other intel, you know, the families in that space of going to the college planning night, and their heads are spinning, and they're, they're really trying to understand how they're going to navigate that. But even before that, a lot of families don't understand the role of a school counselor. So What I say to families is understand that. Don't sit back and wait for the school counselor to educate you. Ask for that. You know, set up an appointment. And sometimes it's so helpful for family to say, this is our first child. We really don't know how to navigate high school. There's so many parts and pieces that go into appropriate course selection. And what should my student do to be engaged in the next four years in the high school And I don't think any school counselor, at least I hope they wouldn't, but maybe we'll have listeners that be like, shame on you, Diane, for saying this. But, you know, I think I would always advise families to just ask a school counselor, what's your experience in the college planning arena? Yeah. Like, what do you know? And a lot of times, you know, you might have a school counselor that is new in the profession and really just trying to understand what does this job mean? They're wearing so many hats, so many responsibilities. And I don't think that's, if that's really where you want your folks to be for your student in the college planning process earlier on, it's good for you to know where your counselor's experience is. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody should ever feel ashamed of, don't be like, send me your resume. I want to know your qualifications. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's so important just to ask and really generate that conversation earlier on. Because what I don't, I, you know, as a school counselor, it's like the expectation that a lot of families, I know they have, but they're just not saying it. Like you're supposed to go find, you're all of a sudden become responsible for my child because they're in the school and you're their counselor and you're supposed to take care of all of these things. Well, it's usually one counselor to 300, 400, 500 sometimes more students like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, friend, that's just not possible. Football mm-hmm. teams don't have that. They have multiple coaches. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so helpful. You know, it's a two way for a family to say, help us understand how we can work together as counselor family, but also as a counselor that helps us so much to understand the family. You mm-hmm. know, maybe this is one of your oldest of five children coming through the shoot of the high school, or maybe this is your only child and it's first generation student and there's going to be some unique needs. So it's so helpful on both sides just to, they help us understand. Let's let's converse about this partnership.
1: So I'm hearing, you know, being proactive, right?
2: hundred percent I think
1: a lot of parents I talk to are so hesitant, They're like, well, we haven't heard from the school yet. So we don't know if we're supposed to reach out and I don't know if I'm going to be bothering them. And what I'm hearing you say is, Go for
2: it, right? I think all of us here could agree how shocking it is to work with a junior or senior student where they say, "I don't know who my school counselor is," mm-hmm. you know. And and still, as long as long as I've been doing this, I'm still shocked. Like, how do you not know? But yep. there's just all kinds of barriers within the school. But you should know. You should seek out and understand totally. who your school counselor is. That's just kind of your responsibility to high school. Just find out who they are.
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah I, just, I have so many kids that I work with who don't know that they have a separate college counseling office and they don't know who writes their letter of recommendation from school. Like they don't know that until they're a senior.
0: They're like, wait, somebody from my school, not my teachers
1: write (laughs) me, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm also
0: thinking about the fact that we're talking about, let's pretend it's a family that really is not sure how to navigate the system. And I'm tuning into our our nomenclature and the words that we're using. And I think we need to actually factor that out a little bit. So folks who are listening, Diane mentioned school counselor. Well, school counselor can mean different things in different schools. For some, that's actually a mental health counselor who provides therapeutic support to the student population. You might be more familiar with the term guidance counselor. Now that may or may not be someone who provides college counseling advice. It may be just be someone who Meets with your child on their curriculum from year to year. And then there's college counselors who sometimes are called college counselors, sometimes they're called school counselors, sometimes they're called guidance counselors, sometimes they're called career readiness counselors. They have lots of different names. So I think for a family, what I'm, you know, what I'm hearing you say, Diane, is go ask those questions and I mean, just to be direct, kind of don't take no for an answer, because I do know for some of my families who are navigating public school systems, they can feel very bureaucratic. They can Mm -hmm. sometimes feel that they get the stiff arm earlier in high school. And that's not coming from a bad place of not wanting to help young people, but more from overwhelm, right? Particularly here in California, where the the student to counselor
2: ratio is so ridiculously overwhelming. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you say that to bring context just around the title, because what other you know department within a school system has post grad counselor? And then there's maybe there's somebody different that you need to talk to that's not even affiliated with counseling that's responsible for the students' transcripts. So I think it's something schools can do better. Absolutely, I think I worked in a very large public high school for a while, and it is overwhelming. And I think that's just the piece that. There's a lot of oversight sometimes, like we just assume you should know who we are. You know, we're working so hard and we're building your schedule. And and that's what I hope parents know and understand that they should never have it, not feel that they can't be educated in how those systems work. And exactly what you said, Meredith, those titles, what do all these titles actually mean for us and our student walking through this process? Yeah, it's a lot.
1: So my second part of the question is, okay, so let's say we have somebody listening, and then they're like, oh, we didn't do that freshman or sophomore year, and now we have a junior or senior. Now, what advice do you have for an upperclassman who's really in the depths of college planning, has just figured out that they have a college counseling person at their school who can help them? What advice do you have for an upperclassman?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's too late. You're done, you know? So, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. Too late. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, damn, <laughs> I was Like, I a job at sounds
2: perfect. No, <laughs> no, I think the main thing at that point is, and you've said it in your podcast before, like the reality check. It's okay. I think a lot of times too, families put so much expectation and pressure on that we need to start this process early where, as we all know, there's different stages throughout the process. But if your student's a junior and senior and just finally saying, wow, I think I might want to explore college and we're having these conversations as a family and it's okay you're not too late. We've all worked with seniors during their second semester of senior year and (laughs) things still happen. But I think it's that reality of check of saying we realize there's things we got to do now. And we can't let time pass. And we have to really be aware and heed advice and move forward and not waste any more time. I truly feel that sometimes there's all kinds of factors that go into when families can start kind of looking up and paying attention and going, you know, I, I remember that with my son, like, wait, I felt like he was in eighth grade forever. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I'm helping all these other kids. But you're a junior in high school. What are, what are we going to do? You know, like it <laughs> just life catches up. So yeah, it's reassuring.
1: You're saying it's not too late, right? It's never too late. If you realize like, Oh, I got to go figure this out. Go right. do that. Right. Go talk to right. the counselor. They're not going to be angry at you. They're going to be, they're going to want to help you.
2: Right. And we all know colleges that'll be like, Ooh, February of senior year. Absolutely apply.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Please That's apply. Right. We'll take That's right. Well, And yeah. yeah.
0: also just these timelines, this sort of hamster wheel that is k-12 education it's okay first i do this and then i do this and and for a vast the vast majority of schools that's the right for students rather that's the right pace but Mm -hmm. there we all know students for whom they're really going to hit their stride at 25
2: yeah right right.
0: they're not going to hit their stride at 16 they're going to be an unmade bed and they're not going to do all the things that we want them to do and there are multiple pathways to a college destination, if that's even the appropriate destination. Right. I was thinking, Diane, I was thinking, Kathy and I on this podcast talk a lot about do's and don'ts for parents. So for example, we'll say something like, help your child take the lead and schedule their own appointments, become more independent. So however you, I would love to hear from someone who has so much experience in school settings and out of school settings, if you could give parents some advice, but maybe not the sort of top ticket advice that we hear all of the time, like the back off, don't get involved, right? But some of the more subtle things that you've seen over the years, you know, what would be something, top three things you'd really want to drive home for families so that they can best support their child?
2: Yeah, I love that you asked that question because I talked to my parents about this. It's like having a puppy, you got to walk your puppy on the leash and then your your puppy grows and you kind of start to understand like how they can navigate the same little block you're walking around. But you don't ever let go of the leash, you know, and that's the same thing with your students. We need to guide them. We need to stay involved. It's our student, but we have to create independence because ultimately that's what this process 100% is about is how much a student engages with the process in writing an essay or filling out the application. All those pieces really show us a lot about what our student can do and how they thrive and survive as a growing adult. So I always say, give them that independence, but don't let go. But then also, maybe it's a little contradicting now that I'm saying this, but You know, you got to stay behind the white line. You know, you got to watch them play. You got to really, it's hard because they're not quite there, but we'll know that, right? Kids tell us through the process, you don't have to tell them that they're doing things wrong or not meeting deadlines. They know, they're well aware. So I think as adults and parents, there's so much observation that needs to go on, but then really seek out help from others. Like, Okay, I know my son isn't getting things done like he's supposed to. Where is is this normal? Should you know, and we have those conversations with parents too. So I wish parents would do more of that because I see too many parents who just completely cut the cord, let go of the leash, and they're like, this is their process. It's really not, you know, <laughs> you're still involved in the payment of college and all those other things. And not many students, I mean, there's some, and we know those unique students who really just step up and, and do the process. Well, not many can do it independently, nor mm-hmm. should they, it's a family mm-hmm. process. Yeah. So just a little leash, little leash at a time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. Cause I have, I have a family that I'm working with this year, whose son graduated last year and he, they just like were free range with him. They let I him know. do the whole process. And you know what? He didn't have a very good process. And they were like, yeah. oh no. Yeah. We really needed to get him more support. He really like we trust him because he's he's responsible and he's hardworking. Like, but the college process can be complicated, right? And confusing. And if you're not getting those reality checks along the way, right, you can make mm-hmm. some mistakes. And so they realized like, we need to do a better job with our younger daughter, but we also Don't really know what we're doing, right? right. And that's where the IEC comes in a lot of times, right? So this this actually leads to my next question about IECs because Meredith and I have talked again ad nauseum about IECs on this show, and we have strong feelings that we have not hidden at all. I'm curious to know because you're doing both now, right? So you're you work in schools and you have your own private practice. Mm -hmm. It touches on a question that I get a lot from families, which is: We're working with you. Should we tell our school? Mm -hmm,
2: working mm -hmm. with
1: you. So like as an in-school counselor, like, does that bug you? You know, I think I just want to know. Cause I, when I was in college counseling in schools, I wanted people to be honest with me. What annoyed me was with families were working with ICS that didn't respect like that was, that was, that was me
2: personally, but how do you feel about that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that question. I think A while back, it used to bother me, but then I I really asked myself, like, why is this bothering me so much? And I think it was just, of course, you should appreciate my intellectual property. And I know what I'm doing. I don't know everything, certainly, nor do any of us. But I really think we're at a, a different place now where, should it be a secret I think absolutely not. You need to inform school Mm -hmm. counselors. I'm at a place now and have been for several years where I'm like, great, good for you. Go for it. There's some fantastic IECs out there. And that's one less student that I have to commit hours (laughs) to. Literally repeat what we said 100%. Yes. There's nothing that gives me more joy than like (laughs) writing a little note next to their name, like, taken care of, bonus for me. But I think the missing part for sure with parents is not, I mean, as we both know, I mean, this could be a whole nother podcast on like the regulations of IECs. Yeah. So many people can just jump in like they can with so many other professions. I'm going to be a real estate agent, financial advisor, do yourself a favor and really take the time to understand the IEC and their background and are they really bringing experience and intellectual capacity of what you're asking them to do for your student? You know, I think that's what drives me crazy more than anything is exactly what you said, Kathy. <laughs> like hiring somebody where I'm like, and and I had that exact same uh, exact story just a couple years ago. I had a, a student who was working with an IEC, and I said, "Great, good luck. If you have questions, I'm always here." Like that doesn't mean I won't ever work with you. But they were bringing questions to me that was just really unfortunate. and And it came down to a situation where the student was misled in a scholar mm. a major scholarship mm. that they could apply for that they weren't even qualified for. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it's just mm-hmm. that's why the communication has to be there, I feel, because mm-hmm. there's just things on the school side sometimes counselors do know. And IECs, you know, absolutely, they might know so many more colleges than a school counselor could ever know, just because they have that opportunity to go to Ireland on a bus with other counselors.
0: (laughs) It's interesting, because I think what I hear you saying is it's, it's quality control and it's transparency. And there's something about it also that I was always sort of mystified, even early in my career, it never really bothered me that when families, when I learned that families were working with a private college counselor and the only thing that it would sometimes compel me to do is to ask, to be curious about why, to make sure that institutionally we weren't somehow not holding up our end of the bargain and I I never wanted them to feel like they weren't getting the attention they needed in school and that is what drove them, right? One of the things I noticed in families is this real hesitation sheepishness sometimes dressed up I think as courtesy but I'm not sure that it is particularly courteous to tell either party about either party and so it's not just do you disclose that to your school counselor but it's also giving feedback from the school counselor to the independent counselor and I just sort of want to underscore that it's your child it's probably the only time your child will be applying to their undergraduate college experience and that should lead the charge. And if people along the way, I think this sort of, I get a little impatient sometimes, both with with in school counselors and independent counselors. Certainly, when there's not good work, that's that's a whole other yeah, thing. yeah. That's but when point. there's when their own personal feelings mean that they keep information that could help a young person in this mm-hmm. otherwise complicated process mm-hmm. do better in the process, they keep it to themselves because of ego.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what?
1: I'll be the first person here to say I'm absolutely guilty of that. Right. Like I know that feeling and I, and I feel like my friends who are on the college side who are very protective of their students and their lists, I think a lot of it actually just has to do with ego. Like the high school I, side. Mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. high school side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the high school mm-hmm. side. It's like, this is my kid. We're the best college counselors. Nobody's going to know more than I know. Right. right. Yeah. And right. like, why would they work with? And I really felt that way, especially when I knew I didn't respect the IEC that the kid was working with. I'm like, why would you pick them instead of like working <laughs> like, with? Oh, us. well, that's different. Exactly. <laughs> right, well, you're like,
2: you're like, you're like, you're like you're... <laughs> we all know that one. That's different Yeah. I mean,
0: because there are there are great ones, great and there ones. are not. Wait, we all exist on a spectrum, great, all yes. of us. Yeah, and yeah. I think that, like, parents. I guess what I'm trying to say is. All of this can be done with mutual respect and kindness and courtesy. And there are absolutely, we've talked about this before, there's 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 information that the school counselor has that the independent counselor will probably never be able to have. And that's important to respect. And I think, you know, when I worked in schools, the only thing that would annoy me, there were two things. When I knew that the counselor was giving bad advice that was going to hurt the kid. hmm Or when they wanted to talk to me all the time, I was like, I don't have time for that. (laughs) I'm busy. I'm busy busy doing my job. I don't have time to do that. So, I mean, I think be prepared for that moment, but I think it's interesting, Diane, your perspective is just sort of what I'm hearing you say is sort of centering the student, centering what's best for the student, having really transparent and proactive communication with all of the relevant parties, whatever constellation of parties that might be.
2: Yeah, it's a triage should be a priority, right? Right. Triage approach. And and the family should feel that it feels harmonious. Not wait, you're telling us we can't. Yeah, exactly what you said. It should feel. And maybe that's a different episode, you know, which IECs to not hire. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Sometimes not (laughs) harmonious. I have straight up told families.
1: You need to stop working with that person. Right. Absolutely. Like who gave you this advice? This advice is horrible. This is totally inaccurate. Not based in facts, made up, not true. Right.
2: Well, and I do appreciate. School counselors that are very open and honest about what they do know. I just had a family last mm. week that said, We went into our school counselor and they said, You know, I know nothing about NCAA. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, Good for them. Mm-hmm. Like they just yeah. owned it. And yeah.
0: I, just, I don't
2: know them. I respect them. And I, I think that we just need more of that. We just know there's so many more families, thank goodness, that are saying, I need help in this process. And as professionals, I think we all just need to like take a couple steps forward together in unity and say, wherever our students are, you know, we have families in rural areas that don't even have counselors. They have somebody who sends a transcript. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be the family that's going to be asking those questions of their school. Like, tell us who your, who our team is. So it's like, how can we support each other together for sure?
1: Okay. So we're getting too positive. So I'm going to ask another negative question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I that's a bad, very have lots positive, of bad stories. Diane, but I want to know, because I think parents are all, like sometimes they're tiptoeing around their college counselor because they feel like, oh, this is high stakes. Like this person really matters in the future of my kid, right? Like I don't want to annoy them. Are there things that actually annoy you? <laughs> like are there, besides the IC thing, right? Yes. Are there things that families or kids can mm-hmm. do that actually
2: mm-hmm. kind of are yes. annoying? <laughs> oh my gosh, my biggest pet peeve Yes. Is walking in and saying, I have a quick question. Yeah. Because it's never, I'm never always quick. like, I just feel everything in me just like here it comes. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I got a quick question. I think it's families who just think they know the the process from 20 years ago, that drives me crazy. Well, mm-hmm. you know, our sister's friend's best friend didn't get into that college, you know, and that was in 1992, you know, like, come on, people, <laughs> we need to bring context to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think parents just need to be like, whatever happened before. And, and another one too, this is, I, I know you're all going to agree with me on this one. My son wants to apply to Notre Dame, and we have a friend who went to Notre Dame and wants to write them a letter. Oh, yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's an annoying one. Totally. I'm like, let's I, look up this person real quick. I'm like, yeah, I no, know. you don't need a letter from him.
2: Do, do they know your? Yeah. Do they know your son? No. Yeah. So things like that that just, I guess that are like the debunking myths. You know, yeah. the list of those yeah. myths that are just. I think I'm exhausted by them because they're the same things, and and I get it. I try not to be annoyed or make the face of like, here we go. <laughs> they all can't see my face right now, but I'm like. Argh. Wait a minute. That's only two things. That's really it. That's all you got. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm calling shenanigans right here, right
2: now. <laughs> well, you know, we don't want to, I mean, I think it's all that we're dealing to with just the expectation that it's our job to get their students in too. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah. No. Right. Totally. And, you know, just even a couple of days ago, I'm talking to colleagues and I, you know, parents need to know and understand all our students are applying to all and I know you've mentioned this in your past you know your previous episodes like our kids apply to the same 80 schools the same 80 schools uh, you got 80 I got
1: like 40 yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I got
2: 80. we got like I 25 <laughs> yeah exactly 80. I was like, 48, 48. well I've been to 700 <laughs> campuses so maybe that's your problem you haven't been to oh, that's true <laughs>
0: seriously I don't think Kathy if you and I added the amount of campuses together I don't even know that we would be at half of that
1: Definitely not.
2: I bet you you would I bet you would? Stop I think you would be shocked. No,
0: girl. No,
1: girl.
2: I I I've probably into Yeah, three
1: hundred. No, I, I don't. No. I've never. not been to three hundred and fifty campus
2: What? No. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure you have. If you started counting, I'm sure. She I think maybe not. like a
1: hundred. A hundred. Maybe a hundred. I got. You know, Diane. You all need to call Diane Campbell. Canceling. If, you if you're like, which
2: campus not to go to? Yes. Yeah,
1: no. Because. God. That is definitely not my strength is having visited 700. Well,
2: and I think with that too, just another pet peeve is when families just don't pay attention to the whole cost piece, Mm. that should a hundred percent be where every family starts. Stop with this business of like where we think we're going and we need to step back to what can, are we willing to afford? Bottom line, that's really the reality when it comes to college. And then Really, the reality check again of academically, what can my student, what have they done?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, just mm-hmm. case in point, the other day at a family, thousand SAT wants to apply to the top top schools, and it's like, no, it's no, not uh, yeah, yeah, it's I not mean. going exactly, it's not going yeah. to happen. Don't think you're an exception to the rule. Period. Yeah. Like I know that's we all have restaurants we want to get into, right? We're not getting in. Tables are full, like got to look <laughs> for the next restaurant.
0: <laughs> I love that. Don't think be an exception to the yeah. rule. My question is around going back, invoking the history and how parents often use what happened in yesteryear to inform today's reality with their child. And so I'm just curious from your perspective, having done this work a long time, what are some of the biggest shifts that you've seen and where do you kind of think it's headed?
2: Yeah, yeah. I love that you ask where it's headed because, gosh, I think about that a lot. I have a lot of fear. I really Mm do. I think that families are approaching the process differently because of what they saw for so many years. I mean, many times we've talked to parents that say, I got into Cornell, my brother got into Cornell, but there's no way in heck my student can even think about it. Like that doesn't make sense. And we equate that to, you know, so many unfortunate you know, conclusions of like, my kids isn't good enough and all those pieces. But I think we've shifted to families still not just paying attention and recognizing that it's okay if you go to a school you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's okay Okay. that you cast your net wide and consider like in the end, friends, it doesn't matter where you go. It really doesn't. 100% is what you're doing during your undergrad, are you doing internship placements? That was my daughter. She's like, I'm going to be a photographer. If I would have sent her to college and been like, great, now be a photographer, it wouldn't have never happened. Instead, she was like, I think I want to be a photographer in New York. I'm like, good, then go live in New York. She hated it. Internships are so valuable in teaching students what they might want to do in their future. And I think that's where I see it going as we need to look through the same lens but think about how we're going about it differently for our students. You know, it's not just apply to the college, go to the college, graduate, get a job. No, like that's what we're used to doing. That is not how the game is played anymore. And I think I've been calling it the gap trap. That's like somebody is probably already tagged it, but I think we're, a lot of families are trapped in this gap year of being like the sexy option to like take a year off and discover my shit out. What?
0: <laughs> you I was know? literally going to ask you about that. I was <laughs> going to literally ask you, what are your thoughts about... The kind of contrived time off before college, where every little thing is figured out for the child.
2: Ew,
0: ew. In the name of boosting chances
2: for a more selective list. No, yes, yeah, and that's why. Like, do you guys like that? The gap trap, don't you think? I think we need to start using that. that. You need to trademark it. I think we just did. We just did. It's ours. Yeah,
0: I know. Yeah, that's yours, Diane.
2: Own it. Yeah, but I mean, we all know can it work for some? Is it wise? Is it an opportunity? hundred percent. Is it for everybody? No, but that's where it's going. It's almost like I haven't figured it out or I'm going to get better grades or it's not always a solution, especially for a student who maybe isn't socially, emotionally ready for independence, or maybe let's be honest, has not been supported in even knowing themselves or understanding what options are out there. Mm-hmm. So how is a gap year where they're just supposed to flounder and live in mom's basement going to help them?
1: Well, I had a kid, I had met with a kid yesterday and he said something interesting to me. He was like, can you tell me a little bit about gap year? So I was like, yeah, you know, gap years can be great if you know, X, Y, Z. And if you, you know, there is also tons of programs that will help you figure out your gap year, or you can figure out your own gap year. And he's like, wait, there's programs that will help you figure out your gap year. And I was like, oh yeah, you can pay lots of money for somebody to just organize your entire gap year. And he was like, that seems like that's not the point. Right. And I'm like, oh, love you. Thank you. <laughs> From, favorite, favorite <laughs> From the babes. <laughs> right. Totally. I was like, "Cute, <laughs> I love you favorite for saying student. that. Yep. Yeah, totally. He's like, that's, isn't that not the point? It's
0: right, right. <laughs> <was> like, exactly. <laughs> it's not the point, but look Logan. at all these businesses that have it's, cropped up. It's so stunning the way we commodify adolescent development.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, like you said, Meredith, like that's where I think we all see it going is there's just all these changes and families are asking questions we're not used to because we're like, Does that make sense? You know, we're really having this existential, (laughs) where are we all? And what is really best for us and them? And what is next? And, you know, colleges are on the other spectrum going, crap, we're losing enrollment. We don't have numbers. What are you all doing? You know, and we're just kind of like, huh, you know, is this really what it's about? I like that sense of reflection, but it makes me panic a little bit too. Because in the long run, Employability and sustainability. And that's why we're all put here, right? To contribute somehow in this world. And, but I think there's so many incredible ways that students can get there. It's just, are they aware of those resources for that?
1: Well, sadly, we're running out of time with you, but we are. I know we could talk. I mean, honestly, Meredith, right? Diana's right?
0: I
2: completely
0: understand why the two (laughs) of you energetically like found each other on the the tour bus and probably- Within, if I am imagining this, within like three minutes, you were discussing like your favorite snacks, <laughs> <laughs> yes. or just eating, eating, each eating each other's You were probably snacks. in the back of the bus, like <laughs> yelling about something with each right. other, and everybody yes. was turning around, like, "Who are these ladies?" Eighties <laughs> music it. favorites. I yep. get it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I totally get it. No, oh, Diana, absolutely. it's so lovely to meet you, and you, as you have well. such rich perspective. And thank you for your time and thank you for being with us. Yeah, we really could talk a long time. Thank
2: you. Yeah, I just like can't say enough about your podcast and I truly hope families, I can't wait to push it out and be like, "Listen, everybody,
1: you need (laughs) to hear this shit. Let's go.
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Pay attention.
1: (laughs) Okay, so. School counselor, I see, I don't care. Listen. So now since you, we can't let you go since you've seen 700 schools, you have to leave us with a hidden gem.
2: Right. Ooh, like, what's yeah. A hidden gem. Hidden gem. Yeah. A hidden gem. I have a couple. I do love Butler University I in Indianapolis. Butler. Yes, yeah. See, fans. Yeah. I, I really Butler. do. And another little gem because so many of our kids are like, oh, I'm going to go to Chicago. I do love Lake Forest.
0: I Me love too. Lake Forest. Uh-huh. Me too. Right. Lake Forest changed one of my previous students'
2: life. Oh, love it! Yes, and sometimes you know we'll say those schools, and they'll be like Lake what, what? Lake what? what, Forest, a lake and a forest, what? No, it's a school. <laughs> it's a school, and it's great, <laughs> and it's in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank
1: you. Well, all thank you, darling. So it was so good to, to have you on the show. And you know what? We're gonna bring you back, Diane. That's just all there is to it. I'm
2: back. You tell me when.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> I love
2: it. I Yay. love it.